So good to see you on a beautiful Sunday. Hope you had an awesome weekend. How many of you were here last week for our, my mom and dad, Bishop and Pastor Gloria? Can you say wowza? <laughs> what, what a word from God, both of them. And so if you missed it last week, please jump online, get on the podcast. You have to listen to both messages. And even uh, bishops will just blow your mind. I, I know that he's gone into another level with God. How many of you have sensed that? Another level of a strong apostolic anointing. And so all I got to say, whatever assignment's next for them, look out, devil, because <laughs> uh, they're going to do an awesome work for the Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to talk to you this morning on something the Lord put in my heart, probably uh, the middle of this week, and um, uh, the word was strife, and the Lord wanted me to really expound on the, the meaning of strife, but it's more than just you think of strife and division as, oh, someone who causes discord and, you know, that negative person, but that's not what I'm talking about today. That's not what the Lord is trying to reveal. I'm talking this morning about the spirit of strife, because strife is a demonic spirit that brings division to the core of destinies, relationships, marriages, business opportunities, leadership roles, churches. I mean, division and strife will come in any kind of relationship that's meant to be designed by God, amen? So I don't like to give the devil any kind of acknowledgement, you know? The devil's defeated, he's under our feet, amen? But he does roam around as a lion seeking whom he may devour, and he will use people, everybody say people, he will use people to come against us to cause us to shift our heart so that we get in disappointment and we get in frustration. And, and then the enemy will cause a spirit of strife to come in our life to derail us out of the will of God. So I want to expose that spirit this morning. Amen. I want to expose his tactics in any way that the enemy has gotten into your life in the area of strife. Strife is a, is a stronghold. And what God wants us to do is to be, be aware of it. You know, if there's conflict in your life in a way that is a higher level than it normally is, you can guarantee it's an assignment from the enemy. And, and strife is this, it's a vigorous or bitter conflict. It could be a, a resistance where, you know how you, when you're married or dating or even in friendships, you fight, like everybody fights, right? I'm from an Italian family and we can fight like nobody's business. But then you know when there's another level of fighting, and it becomes very spiritual, and it becomes very toxic, and that's the spirit of strife. And what it's trying to do is cause division and break you out of the will of God. And the devil would love more than anything to do that in marriages, amen, divine assignment relationships, at your job. Sometimes God will have the, uh, the, your boss There'll be an opposition with your boss because there's iron that sharpens iron. There's a testing of your faith, you know. There's where God wants to test your faithfulness. And what the enemy will do is he'll put that strife in there, and that strife will cause you maybe to make a choice that you're not supposed to make in your life. And I'm going to talk to you about five things that we need to be aware of of strife this morning. But the enemy wants to do what? He wants to shut you down. He wants to shut you down from the blessings of God. He wants to shut you down from divine relationships that he's called you to walk into. I'm so thankful we have such a beautiful, loving church, but boy, would the devil love more than anything to cause strife in the body of Christ so that what? It brings disunity to stop the flow of God, to stop people from being saved and healed and delivered, especially more as we work together as a community and we serve together. The enemy's going to try very hard to bring strife and division and that spirit of offense, and we just need to be aware of it, amen, so that we 
we can spin light on that dark area and say, we're not going to give that place in my life. So what we're going to do is we're going to open up to, um, let's see, my first area I want to talk about this morning about strife is this. Strife can show up in several ways in your life. And number one, you have to know the origin of that strife. Where is it coming from? Where has the toxicity begun in that relationship, in that marriage, and and maybe your leadership role or in in, uh, whatever leadership in your job? If it's begun to have strife, where is it coming from? So what is strife? It's what? It's it's, um, insecurities that can arise in your life. Strife comes through fear of or past failures in your life. See, when there's conflict, what's in you is going to come out of you. So we have to examine the root of the strife. What is causing that conflict, right? I'm going to recognize, is there something inside of me where there's insecurities or fears or maybe I feel a disadvantage in in this situation, in this conflict, so now I'm responding in strife because I don't know how to make the right decision. See, when you're insecure and you're vulnerable in a relationship or a situation, you're going to respond in division and strife because it's a self-mechanism. So God wants you to recognize, is there an issue that we need to surrender to God and allow the healing of God to come in my heart so that I can eliminate the strife in my life, so that I don't exit from a healthy relationship? Exit from a great marriage. How many marriages were ended because of division and strife and miscommunication? And and some marriages needed to end. I'm not saying that, you know. But what I'm saying is to recognize when the enemy is coming in that area, what is the root of it? Strife is due to feelings of weaknesses that you might feel. Or listen to this, a perceived abuse that may arrive. Do you know that perception in a relationship or in a situation can be the destruction of everything? And that perception maybe isn't even real? Let me give you an example. I, um, over the course of ministry, you know, I'll get emails from people. And there was this woman one day, I didn't even know she was struggling. I didn't even know she was going through anything. And I get this email. And it's like, you don't ever care. You don't even think about me. You're unreachable. And I'm going through all this, and you don't even care. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't even know you were going through something. I didn't even know you were struggling. But her perception, her rejection, maybe somebody else disappointed her and rejected her. Maybe there was another pastor who wasn't there for her, all of a sudden, because she perceived that I would be the same way, she brought strife into the situation, right? And it made me want to kind of put my dukes up, like, girl, you know, you don't, you know, you get in the flesh when strife enters, you see what I'm saying? So it made me want to kind of go, of course, being pastoral in my heart, I definitely go right into my pastoral mode. But in your normal life, when you're just living life, you know, every day, when someone comes at you, maybe there's a root or maybe you're the one going at the juggler. What's the root of the perception? You know, so I actually responded to, hey, listen, sis, I'm really sorry. I'm here for you. What are you going through? So I was able to respond and recognize that spirit of strife that tried to divide her and I before I even had a chance to love on her. Amen? So you've got to recognize what's going on on the inside of you that's maybe this toxic situation is arising in relationships and friendships or whatever it is, all right? Um, uh, strife shows up when we are more conscious of our weaknesses than we are the strengths of Christ. So when you are more filtering through the weaknesses and your insecurities and maybe you don't feel good about yourself and maybe the devil is telling you you're not good enough, when a situation arises, that conflict will go toxic and distress because you don't, you don't know the God in you. You can only recognize the weaknesses of yourself. 
And that's why we have to have the scripture verse, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, amen. Recognize that spirit of toxic strife when it comes into your marriage, in your home, in your children, when, when things just begin more upset than usual, it's usually an assignment from hell. And we need to take authority over it, amen. We enter into strife when we fight flesh and blood and forget the spiritual aspect of the situation. And we'll go into this in one of my points, but your battle is not against person. Your battle isn't against your boss, your battle isn't against your spouse, your crazy children, none of that. Your battle when it is a spirit of strife is going on in the supernatural realm. And that's where God has given us full power and authority to exercise dominion right, to cause that strife to leave my home, leave my, ch- my children, leave my marriage, amen, and exercise that authority. I know even in my own home at this time, Quinny lives with me, and boy, that spirit, sometimes there's just, you know, your buckheads, and then sometimes there's a spirit, and it's like, no, you're going to get out of my home in the name of Jesus. You're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to come in this house and cause confusion and dissension. No, I take right over you. Get out in the name of Jesus. We have to recognize that spirit, because why? The devil's trying to derail you out of the will of God and make poor decisions in that situation. Because of hidden securities and anxieties, we stumble out of God's light into darkness, wrongly thinking that we have no other way to respond, and it causes us to respond the wrong way. So let's get into this this morning. Number two, our enemy uses strife to paralyze us, to make the wrong decisions. If you think about the children of Israel, they were pulled out of slavery and were going to the land of promise, right? And what did they do? They wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because all they did is murmur and complain. All they did is let the spirit of strife strike their hearts instead of seeing God bigger than the situation that they were going through. They blamed Moses. They got mad at Aaron. They got mad at the bitter waters. They got mad because of the food wasn't there for them when they wanted it or it rotted too soon. If you study out what they murmured and complained about, it was like 15 different things in that span of time that they murmured and they complained. They allowed strife and vision, or spirit of strife, let's say, to keep them out of the promised land. See, murmuring and complaining, talking about this situation brings life to it. So we have to close our mouth, right? When God told the children of Israel to go finally into the promised land and they were marching around Jericho, what was the one thing they told them not to do? Don't talk. Why? Because when you're talking about this situation, if, if you guys are constantly arguing about this situation or murmuring or complaining in your tent, you're giving life to it. And when you give life to it, it shuts off the blessings of God. So we have to say, I am not going to talk about this situation again. We're not going to murmur and complain. The Bible even said, I think it's in Psalms, um, that they murmured and complained in their tents. And God said, the one thing I told you not to do, don't complain in your tents. But the Bible says they did not listen. You see, when you're murmuring and complaining in your house or your tent, everybody else gets contagious with that dissension that you're carrying. So whatever you're going through, we've got to hone it in and give it to Jesus, amen? We've got to recognize that spirit and say, I'm not going to give life to it. We're not going to argue about this anymore. We're not going to disagree about that. I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm going to shut the door to strife in my life because I'm not going around this mountain one more time, amen? I'm going up, I'm going over, and I'm going in. Thank you, Jesus. Strife has no place in my life. It's got to go in Jesus' name. All right, let's look at James 3, verses 14 through 16. 
James 3 says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct his works are done in meekness of wisdom. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking, or that word translates in the New King James, strife in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom descends from above, but is earthly and sensual and demonic. I didn't give him all the verses. This, what? This um, bitter envy and and a strife is what? Demonic, earthly, and sensual. It does not come from above. When there is strife, there are high emotions attached to it. There are high feelings that are out of control to it. Amen? And what does the Bible says? It is demonic. What you're facing is not a natural thing. It is a supernatural thing. Amen? For where envy and self-seeking exist or strife, confusion and every evil spirit is there. Where there is strife, confusion and every evil spirit is there. Have you ever been in the middle of that, that, that argument with someone and you're just like, I don't remember what we're arguing about. And you're just like this confusion because you've gotten in this spiritual thing and you're trying to handle it in the flesh and it will destroy you. Because it is what? It's demonic. Also, when I was putting this together, the Lord wanted me to tell you, there's some of you who may not have an outward conflict, but there's this internal strife that's going on. You're in conflict with yourself. You're warring with what God has for you, what the Lord's design is for you. That's the same evil spirit that causes the confusion in your life, amen? It is sensual. It will keep you in your flesh and not in the spirit. This is a liberating message, isn't it? And I know it's for this body because the Lord put it so strong in my spirit as I was studying this week. So what? There's um, every evil work and confusion. When there's confusion there, listen, strife keeps us from knowing for sure what course of action to take. When you are so wound up in your emotions, you don't know how to make the right decision. There's confusion. And so usually what people do is they default to that emotion of their feeling and that becomes their choice. And when that becomes your choice in, in strife mentality, you'll make the wrong decision. You'll make the decision out of your flesh and not out of the spirit. And that's why when things are escalated, we have to take a step back. You know, there's an old song, a slow down baby, you're moving too fast. You've heard me say it. You got your hands in the air and your foot on the gas. You better slow down, baby, you're moving too fast. When emotions are escalated, step back and take a minute and let the spirit of God come over you. Let the peace of God come over you. Just take a minute to breathe and hear what God has to say. And when you hear what God has to say, you'll make the right decision. Because you're coming out of your emotions, you're coming out of that confused state of mind. Because when you're in that confused state of mind, you just want it to end. Isn't that the truth? Make this torment end. I just don't want to fight anymore. I don't want the frustration. I don't want the confusion. I'm just going to make a decision. And that's when we make a wrong decision. We need to handle it in the spirit and then let God line up the natural. Amen? Uh, strife keeps us, uh, prevents sound decisions that we are making when we don't live with the spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Our Lord, our God is a spirit. So where the devil is a spirit, our God is a spirit. And where he is, is liberty and a sound mind. Amen? You need to call that liberty back into the situation that whatever it is that you're facing. All right? You can't be deceived into thinking, listen, that strife is it's no big deal. 
Oh, it's just who we are. It's just what we go through. No, it is a spiritual attack from the enemy to rip you apart from something so special in your life. I know the greatest friendships that I have in my life that go deep, deep, deep to my core. We may not talk every day, but when we talk, we pick up right where we left off. They've been 30 years of relationships. Started off a little rocky. Started off a little challenging. Why? Because something that's destined, the enemy fights for. So you got to hang on. Fight for what is God's, amen? Fight for what the Lord tells you. Hang on. The Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. I want to show you. I want you to go to Genesis 2. Chapter 16, show you in the very beginning where we see strife entered, right in the beginning with the devil. Genesis 2, verse 16 says this, and this is the commandment that God gave Adam and Eve, and the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, read that, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. And the, um, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But the commandment was what? Eat every tree but one, right? That was what the Lord said. Now go over to chapter 3, verse 1. How many know the devil is cunning? He'll take a little bit of truth, he'll spin it with a little lie to cause division and strife in your heart a separation from God, right? So look at three, verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Wait a minute. God said you can eat of every tree. But what did he do in her mind? He brought confusion. He brought strife to what God really said from the beginning. See, that's the enemy's goal. He will bring confusion through a spirit of strife and division in your heart and separate you from what God is really trying to say in your life. So what happened when that strife came in? She questioned, did God really say, right? She questioned her trust in God, questioned her, her word from God, and she moved by her own emotions and ate of the fruit. And what did that strife or that confusion do? It separated her from God. It broke fellowship with God. It broke that personal relationship with God. See, when we allow strife to come in and it breeds confusion in our life, because the Bible says where strife is, there is confusion. So in confusion, it separates you from really hearing what God has to say. It separates you from that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is the one voice I need to hear when I'm going through this strife situation. Amen? So we've got to get connected back to Jesus, get connected back to that relationship with God, and remove that confusion from our hearts and say, Lord, give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Not what my situation is screaming at me, not what the enemy's trying to say to me, but what are you trying to say in this situation? You've got to push strife out and invite the Holy Spirit in. You will save friendships. You, you will save marriages. You will save job opportunities that maybe there's a promotion rating right ahead of you, and we throw in the towel too soon because there's a little bit of strife going on. Amen? The enemy would love to rock the boat. All right, let's go over to Matthew 4, and let's give an example about Jesus. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. 
says this, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards, he was hungry. Has anybody ever fasted here and had a few days where you were just hungry? <laughs> you are so vulnerable when you're hungry. You're so weak when you're hungry, and when you get to eat again, like, I don't know if you're like me, I will indulge. Like, I'm going for those Oreo cookies, the whole, not just the row, the whole package, right? Because in our weaknesses and when we're, when we're vulnerable is where the enemy shows up. See, when there's strife and there's frustration and there's confusion, the enemy knows you're vulnerable, so he's going to be the first person that knocks on the door of your heart to try to get you more offended, get you more frustrated, get you more uh, mad at the situation and more in the flesh to make more of a wrong decision. And Jesus is the perfect example of it. He was hungry. And so what did the devil do in verse 3? Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, what did the enemy make him do? Question his identity. See, when you are vulnerable and confusion and every work of the devil is there and there's been this strife going on in your world, the devil's going to try to attack your identity. Are you really a man of God? Are you really a woman of God? Did God really promise you? Did God really say? Has anybody been in this situation before? But he comes when you're vulnerable. He comes when you're insecure. He comes through a weak moment of your life. And that's why we have to shut the door and remember the God that lives on the inside of you. My victory is not based on how I feel about myself. My freedom in this situation is not based on, on all much word of God I have in me. It's the God that lives in me that changes the situation. It's not about how spiritual you think you are or you aren't. We have a lot of new Christians in here. And boy, the devil would like to beat you up and take away your identity so that you can't stand up in strife, right, in this situation, so it cuts you off from the blessings of God. Amen? Verse 4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In Jesus' vulnerability, remember, he was all God and all man. He was hungry, and the devil was questioning his identity. And what, what did he speak? The word of God. He spoke the word of God, not what he was feeling in his flesh. And verse uh, 5, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For what? It is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. That's the truth. Psalm says that. If we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll give his angels charge over you. The devil use a little bit of truth in a situation and twist it just a little bit to bring deception to your life. Amen? Why? Because he wants to get you out of the will of God. He wants to get you out of a good relationship, out of a really great marriage. The devil is on, out of a great church. The devil will even do that, won't he? Out of a, a job that you're about to be promoted in, the devil would bring a little bit of truth and just twist it with the lie to bring confusion to you so you'll, you would make the wrong decision. But you won't in Jesus' name, amen? He goes on to say, and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. The enemy knew the word. 
but he knew how to bring it with confusion. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He again spoke the word. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, finally, away with you, Satan. You know, there comes a time where you're not messing with the devil anymore. I'm not giving any word. I'm not trying to walk by faith. Get out in the name of Jesus Christ. You're going to get out of my life. You're going to get out of my mind. You're going to get out of my emotions. Amen. And I'm going to drive you out of my home so I can hear what God has to say in my situation. Get away from me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And the Bible says the devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. It's time to get the devil out of some situations in our life, amen? It's time to tell him to back off in Jesus' name. When you are moving in strife, strife usually shows up when you are being self-centered. And self-centered is pride. And that's when strife comes in. Maybe it's not you motivating it. Maybe it's the relationship you're in. You can point the finger if you want, like elbow somebody next to you. But the center of strife is self-centeredness. You're thinking about you. And pride does what? Pride wants to be right. Oh, you guys are quiet this morning. Hey, I've been here, okay, so I can understand. I can preach this. Pride wants to be right, right? In an argument, no matter what the cost, I'm going to try to get on top. And I'm going to try to win. And I'm going to try to prove my point. That's pride. At any cost, strife will try to win. But this is the thing. If you do win this situation in strife, everybody really has lost. Nobody's really won. The only one who's won in that situation is the devil. Because if something costs something in strife, that's the devil. It's never God. Amen? So we've got to be what? We've got to be willing to humble ourselves in the sight of God and say, this is not about me winning God. This is not about me being right. I don't have to prove to my boss I'm great. I'm just going to be great every day and let the Lord vindicate me. Amen? I'm not going to try to please my husband or my wife. I'm going to let God take. I'm going to take the high road and walk in the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God. And let heaps. the Bible says when you love unconditionally, you heap coals of fire on their head. So I'm going to love them, Jesus. Burn them, Jesus. Get them. Right? So we're going to love. Otherwise, if pride stays in there, self-destruction is inevitable for both sides because both people lose. There's an emptiness. There's a takeaway from both situations when that happens. Amen? How many's ever been there? We've all been there. You don't even have to raise your hand. I already know. <laughs> all right. Let me take a look here. All right. Number three, what, the, what strife will do, um, strife is seeing others instead of seeing the devil as our enemy. You'll see others as the enemy instead of seeing it as the devil. Psalms 133.1 says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. What does God want? Unity. Unity in your marriage. You don't choose your children over your spouse. It's your spouse and then your children. Amen? Unity, you don't ever break that power of agreement between a husband and a wife. Unity in a church and leadership, right? So many things in Scripture. Leviticus says that five, five people that come into agreement will put a hundred to flight in the spirit. A hundred people in agreement will put 10,000 to flight. 
There is power in unity, and the devil knows that. There is power in agreement, and the devil knows that. So what is his assignment? It's his number one assignment, break unity, break agreement. He wants to break agreement for the will of God to be thwarted in whatever situation he's trying to break agreement in. And something I've seen over the years where maybe a married couple, a spouse gets a little crazy, right? But then let's say the husband's like, he's over here <laughs> in strife, and the wife stays anchored, and she keeps the wisdom of God, and she keeps him anchored, the word of God, right? We're going to pray about it. And then maybe it switches, and the wife's over here, and the husband's keeping her anchored. That happens in relationships, right? But what's dangerous is, is when they both into, come into agreement with the strife. It's that same power of agreement. And I've seen more people in the kingdom when the spouses come into agreement, derails them right out of the will of God. Maybe they felt, I should be preaching in the church. You know, maybe I should be preaching. I should be a pastor. And the wife's like, chill out. Let God, you know, be timing. And then vice versa. And then they go, yeah, you're right. You should be preaching. You should be up there. You should be asked to do this. Thank God none of y'all are like that. Some of you are just, we have to kick you guys to get out in the forefront. But there are, I'm just giving an example. And then she's like, yeah, you're right, honey. Let's go find a place where we can go do that. And all of a sudden, strife pulled them right out of the will of God. Now, is God's grace and mercy there to swoop them up and pick them up? Yes. But with that is a journey that only God can repair, amen, of those choices that take place. So you have to be very, very careful. There's power in unity. The Bible says there's safety and a multitude of counselors. Do you know that even as a pastor of this church, and I've led lots of ministries and lots of programs in my life, I still seek counsel from people who are ahead of me. Why? Because I'm not stupid. I'm not prideful and ever say, well, I'm going to build this church on my own. No. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody learned the lesson ahead of me. I'm going to find safety in that counselor. I'm not going to be too prideful. I'm going to pull on those that I know can speak wisdom into my life. Amen. And including our bishop and our covering on spiritual decisions. I want to, there's safety in that. That's why God wants unity, but the devil wants division. All right. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God's praise. What does God want the body of Christ? Planted. We're supposed to be together. But we come with all different natures, all different backgrounds, you know, all different upraising, maybe different types of ministry, and we're all living together in one house. Thank you, Jesus. But guess what? The closer we are together, the more we're going to smell each other. The more we're going to offend each other, the more we're going to get frustrated. So we don't let strife in. So what if somebody offends us? Who cares? I had this lady back in Beloit. She, I know she did it on purpose. Her name was, I shouldn't say her name just because she's still around. I don't know. But she would purposely say things to get under my skin. I know she'd walk up to me, and she did it on purpose. And I'm like, that man, that woman just gets under my skin. Makes me so mad. And then one day she did it, she walked up to me, and she did the same thing just to provoke me, wanted to be a stinker. And I just pat her, I'm like, oh, you're so cute, you're so funny, I love you, and I hugged her. And, and you know what, she never did it to me again. Why? Because I just said, I'm not going to let her attack affect me. I've decided I'm going to eliminate strife. She was, I'd run from her. I'm going to eliminate it. And that's just a small example, but that's how we can handle things. Don't make it bigger than it needs to be. Amen? Just let love cover it. Let love be. Let's pray about that, honey, right? As he stomps out the door cussing because he doesn't want to pray about it at all. But, um, okay, so let's, anyway, two are better than one, right? That's what the Bible says. Two are better than one. There's agreement when you come together. So get, what does the devil want to do? He wants to be the accuser of the brethren. 
He's the accuser of the brethren, brethren is what the Revelation says. Let's go over to Revelations really quick. I got just a few more minutes, but I want to show you some scriptures. Revelations 12. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, the Satan, who deceived the whole world and was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. What did the devil do? He deceived. Is the devil real? Yes. But he's been defeated. Thank you, Jesus. But his job is deception. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren, Satan, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. See, that's all the devil wants to do in your, in your relationships is to accuse, accuse, point the finger, point the blame, amen? But verse 11 said what? And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. How do you overcome the accuser? You're going to do it by the blood of the lamb. In the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, get out of this situation. Amen? By the blood of the lamb. Thank you, Jesus. He is defeated. Luke 10, 19 says, behold, I give you power, right, to tread on serpents and scorpions and uh, authorities from principalities and powers. God says, I've given you the power and authority. Let me just read it from here. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen? Jesus nailed it all to the cross. He said, your battle is not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities. We've got to reroute our assignment, don't we? Against the powers of the enemy. God gave you authority to cast that spirit of strife out of that situation. And maybe it's in your children's lives who are married. Maybe it's in a job situation. I don't know where this spirit of strife is coming in in confusion, but it's time to drive it out. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians 10, and I'm going to share this story as we turn there. I was talking, uh, this is a few years ago, but I was talking with this girl who said um, she had kind of a risque past, you know, and, uh, but the Lord redeemed her and saved her, and she fell in love with Jesus and totally got redeemed. But she said, I would walk into places, and I would know when people would be judging me. I would know when people were resisting me, just kind of, you know, accusing it, the accuser of the brethren. And it uh, made her feel really bad because she says, I could discern what they were feeling about me. And she said, but I went back to my home and I said, you know, God, if you had me discern it, then you've called me to pray for them. And she went into prayer against her enemies. See, there's always going to be someone who will yield into that strife spirit. There'll always be somebody who will buy in and try to cause that strife in your life. Don't give into it. If you recognize it, take it to prayer. And this young lady went into prayer. And she started talking to God. And do you know, God vindicated her openly one day, just, I mean, publicly vindicated her. And all of her enemies were put to shame because what? God. See, she didn't try to deal with the strife herself. She took it to God. Recognize that spirit and say, I'm going to take it to God. And you walk, watch God. Amen? Do your, take out your enemies for you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, amen? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the submission of Christ. So what is strife? Pride. But I'm going to cast it down and I'm going to bring it to the submission of 
Christ Jesus. Amen? And that's when you get the victory in your life. God has called us to walk in peace. Amen? I didn't even touch half of my message, y'all, but it's good. <laughs> Go ahead and stand to your feet. Father God, I thank you this morning for this incredible, credible church and people. I thank you, Lord, that you are exposing that strife in every situation, every marriage, Father God, every relationship, wherever it would exist, we drive it out in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you expose it, you put a light upon it, Father God, stir up our spirits as men and women of God to recognize this assignment from hell and let us exercise the authority that you have given us through your son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask anyone here this morning that doesn't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, making him the Lord of your life, surrendering all today. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. And this confession isn't everything. It is the most important thing. And God wants you to recognize that you need a Savior. And I'm going to ask you to say this prayer together with me this morning out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to forgive me all of my sin. Come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. In Jesus' name. With all eyes closed, if you said that prayer this morning and you really meant it with all of your heart, getting some things right with the Lord, coming back to Jesus or surrendering for the first time, just lift your hand up all over this room. Thank you for that hand. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can look at me this morning. Most important thing after salvation is to plug into the local church. Amen. Plug into the word of God. Find a place to serve. Get in our growth track so you can learn about a community. It's so important that you're not out there alone as you're walking your walk of faith. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Love you so much. Have a wonderful day.